When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast on this episode. The Utes get a big victory over the Cal Golden Bears, and we look ahead as Utah travels down to take on the dirty dirty trojans i'm cameron and we got ryan what's up ute nation and scott well it's good to be back boys it's good to be back utes get the win over the cal golden bears 34 14 were you guys surprised that bryson the hog barnes is now the starting quarterback (laughs) the hog huh I wasn't surprised, but I, I guess I mean I just wasn't I wasn't expecting this offensive outburst from the Utes. Thirty-one points. What are we doing? <laughs> I do. Th- I mean, yes, I wasn't surprised we got the win, but definitely surprised with the number of points we were able to put up, and none of those were none of those points. Or by the defense. Well, I mean, technically, Vaki is a defensive player. Oh, <laughs> actually, actually, if we're go- if we're playing that game, the defense still out uh, outrushed the offense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, I think the offense had 159, but Vaki had 158 himself. Before we get into Tavaki, because of course we're going to talk about that. I want to stick with the quarterbacks. Um, so you know there was rumblings that Barnes was going to be the starter coming in this game. It kind of broke online Saturday morning that it was Barnes, and, and you know the three of us were texting, and I think all three of us were worried it was going to go back to the Florida game plan, or even the Baylor where it was Barnes one series. Then the next series, it would be Johnson. And then the next series would be one play Barnes, one play Johnson. I'm so glad they didn't go to that. I know I've been a Johnson boy. Scott, you've given me crap all year for it. At this point, <laughs> halfway through the season, 5-1, and one, I do not care who the quarterback is. They just need a guy. Some of the reports that day that you know, Liz said that Barnes was starting and there was going to be a rotation similar to we saw what we saw in the first two games so i think that's what we we're all expecting but i i did like that they didn't didn't uh go to that and just you know let let barnes go out there and and play without the worry of being pulled if he makes a mistake well cam i think your boy nate is done for no, i, think I so. don't know Out, outside of injury um, I'm not sure we see Nate again this year. I'm not sure we see Nate again in a Utah uniform. To be to be completely honest, 
No, I, I still um, think there's a package for him. Maybe he comes in as a wide receiver. Maybe he comes in and do some wildcat. But I agree. I, well, I think I think his time is limited. According to Kyle, according to Kyle, with Vaki, there was there was no no package last week for uh, for Nate, and uh, essentially reiterated that today. As uh, as long as Vaki continues to produce and they continue to use him in that role, it'll greatly diminish any opportunity for Nate Johnson. So. Um, I don't know what that says about Nate Johnson. I don't know what that says about Jalen Glover, that a safety with hardly any practice comes in and has uh, basically taken reps from both of those guys. Yeah, big red flags. Big red flags. What says about Glover? But I mean, you can't dispute what we saw. I mean, he Vaki was decisive, and when he when he decided which hole he was going to hit, it was full speed ahead. There was his his first step is so fast, and to top speed is is really quick. So I don't see you don't see that from any of the other running backs. Well, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if you almost see him a bit more outside of the just a wildcat. Um, if if he's lined up there next to the quarterback and and kind of just acting more as a running back in, in certain situations. But yeah, it's I mean they needed to do something and they they found it. Now can they duplicate that? Can that continue to be successful? Can can he going both ways continue to be successful? I mean you see it at Colorado uh, with uh, Travis Hunter, but Hunter's getting beat up. Um, I mean, he's missed games. He, he was, he was awful at the end of that Colorado Stanford game because the dude's just playing both ways and out of gas. So it'll be interesting to see how this affects Vaki at the safety position one game. Okay. Yeah. And get get away with it. But a month from now, if he's been doing that week in and week out, that could start to, it could start to affect him a little bit. So it, it's good, but is it a long-term solution? I don't know. I mean that's that's a valid point, Scott. He had 15 carries, so it's not every offensive snap he's out there. But do you think 15 is too much? I I I don't know what's too much to be honest. I mean that's ultimately going to be up to him and the coaches to determine. But I mean there's no doubt about it. We needed that spark. JJ getting JJ back was huge for the run game. The offensive line, I mean, credit to the offensive line, especially with, I believe, there were three backups starting on that offensive line. Um, so that that's huge as well. Kyle was very complimentary of what they did offensively, what that old line did, how they were able to get off the ball, get push. Um, and, and our best, our best uh, game so far in regards to running the ball. So that's huge. Um, but... And, you know, going back to even Barnes, you know, Barnes was good. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't characterize that as a, as a great performance, but I guess you could say it was great compared to the previous quarterback position or quarterback performances we've had in the last few weeks. But uh, I mean, how are, how are you guys feeling right now a week, a week out from USC in regards to this offense? Better than we better than I did two weeks ago, but still not where it needs to be to keep up with what USC can do. Now, I mean, USC didn't look so hot against Notre Dame, um, but uh, they 
they can score at will, and so you've got to you've got to be able to keep up with them. And with Barnes a quarterback, I'm not sure that that's going to happen on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, winning cures a lot of things, and the fact that to your point, Scott, yeah, the throw game throw game still isn't there. Barnes goes 15 to 21 for only 128 yards. But that rushing attack, over 300 yards, that's just something I think as Utah fans we've been waiting to see all season, and it it finally busted out. Granted, half of that was Vaki. But you got to start somewhere. And I think this is kind of what we talked about last week, is is the offense starting needs to find their confidence. And, and maybe this Cal game right here was a good opportunity for them through a bye week try to find different positions for guys, you know, Vaki Moore running the ball. Hayden Fury, a linebacker, was playing fullback, uh, leading blocks on on one touchdown for sure I saw. And, and so I, I kind of think right now there it's something to build on. Can we see it move forward? I, I'm hopeful. Yeah, I mean – I, I think I've made my stance on Bryson Barnes fairly clear on the podcast. I, It's a hard watch. I appreciate all that he's doing. I just – the thing with Bryson is his ceiling is just so low. And, uh, I mean, as a result of that, I mean, yes, he, he, t- he takes care of the ball. But I think he tries so hard to take care of the ball that he is unwilling to throw a lot of balls. I mean, you see it all the time. He holds on to the ball, it seems like forever. And then, you know, he's either he's either getting in trouble um, with the pass rush or he's able to escape and, and get out of the pocket, maybe get some positive yards. But the problem is you can get away with that against a Cal. You can get away against, uh, you know, some teams. You probably can get away with it against SC because they're so bad defensively. But against Oregon, against Washington, and hey, Let's throw Arizona into the into the mix now too. They look incre- they look really really good. And so four of our next five games are very difficult. And I think I mean even though I don't enjoy watching Bryson Barnes play quarterback, I just don't think it's going to change. I don't think we're going to see anything any other solution. I don't think Cam's coming back. And it seems like unless Bars, uh, Bryson gets injured or just falls off the face of the earth again, I think it's his from here on out. So in order for Utah to be successful with this upcoming schedule, to that point, Cam, of rushing for over 300 yards, that's that's the game plan. You have to control the clock and you got to run and run very well the rest of this year. And they did that well against Cal. I think the defense was only on the field for like 22 minutes of that game. So that plan worked. Now, when you play, you know, I, I'm not going to put you USC in the category of playing better defenses, but when you've got Washington and you've got Oregon coming up, that they're, they're going to focus on stopping the run and you've got to have a quarterback that can, that can open that up. And currently we do not have that. Well, I mean, Arizona's defense, I, I put Arizona's defense up there right with those big guys. Um, I mean, what they're doing right now is pretty pretty good. So, I mean, it's it's a daunting task, but 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's the Bryson show. That's that's what we got. I, I just don't see – I don't think Cam's coming back. No, and, and before we get into that, final thoughts on this barn situation. You go back to the Baylor game where he was indecisive. They loaded the box. They dared him to throw on him, and he couldn't. Granted, there wasn't a, a running attack that kind of softened that defense, and maybe that was the difference with this Cal game. So going forward, whether it's Vaki, Jackson, or Glover, they have to get a run game established and has to be pretty dominant. I mean, but Whittingham said that he said it as much this week that the run game is not going to be that successful unless the throw game is successful. Because, again, going back to that point, what did Baylor do? They stacked the box. Yeah. Everybody's going to do that moving forward. Cal, Cal didn't do a great job of that. But I guarantee you that's going to be the game plan moving forward. Let let and force Bryson Barnes to throw the ball. And a combination of Bryson Barnes and our current wide receiver group, I think every defense in this in this conference is going to say, yeah, I don't think you guys can beat us with that. Your wide receivers and Bryson Barnes is not going to beat us. So we're going to take the run game away. And it's just going to – I just think it's going to be that much more difficult to run the ball um, like we did against Cal. It was great, and if we if if the offensive line can keep progressing, then maybe there's a there's an opportunity for that. But man, it's going to be tough. All right, Scott, you brought up Cam Rising. So there has been talk the last week, and we even talked about it a few weeks ago on this podcast. Uh, but there is a thought. Uh, Kyle Winningham even mentioned it in his Monday presser about uh, Cam Rising and Brant Keithy being able to apply for a medical redshirt for this year. It's not a hundred percent guarantee that it'll be granted if they apply for it but we're at the halfway point they can't play the rest of the rest of the season uh if they want to even attempt for this i'm kind of leaning that they're going to take that type of advantage winning is kind of is pretty optimistic that if they apply it'll be granted but it really falls to what those two want to do do they want to come back for one more year? And th- their stock for the for the next level is not great right now. So in that regard, maybe they do. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I I'm I I'm not quite sure what to believe on this because um um Bill Riley um said as much today. He does not think either of them will come back next year. And Bill Riley's been uh, one-on-one with these guys for basically the last two years. He's got a relationship with them. He talks with them. I think he's got a pretty good sense that uh, um, what he thinks these guys are going to do. So if he's thinking they're not going to come back, um, I don't know. I mean, does that mean we see these guys this year or do we never see them in the Utah uniform again? I... I can I can see both ways, but from from their perspective, those guys have been in this program for so darn long. They're getting old. Are they going to come back for one more year and and put that NFL, you know, any any shot they have at the NFL probably is even, uh, you know, turns into a smaller uh, shot next year. Uh, I just I don't know that they go that route. Now, from a fan perspective, you're essentially punting on this year if that's the route. 
And, you know, we may win one or two games the rest of the season. But this is where if, if you're if you're playing the long game, if Cam Rising comes back and Keithy come back next year, they're both healthy. You're now in the Big 12 and the and the college football playoff is now a 12 team playoff. Utah's got a pretty darn good shot next year to make a run at not only the Big 12 title, but the pack or the, excuse me, the playoff making one of those 12 spots. If you get both of those guys coming back. So there, there, there is an argument, I think for those guys to do so, but I could also see them saying it's not worth it for all that they've been through. No, I, I totally see that point where I think it might come down to is they put their names in the NFL draft to get other evaluation. And if they don't get a good return on that, that's where I think may push them. Okay. Let me get a whole year, prove NFL teams that I'm healthy. I can play a season and go to the NFL. I mean, year but after. I, I'm not trying to be devil advocate here, but if Keithy and rising submit their names to the NFL draft committee, to get a to get a grade. Are they even gonna get a grade? I mean, <laughs> there's they haven't played this year. Keithy hasn't played for essentially two seasons now. Um, rising injury history. I don't even know that that's worth it. So that's why well, I'm saying. I mean, like, the, the, do they, the, do they even think, have a shot this this coming draft in the NFL? I, I don't know. I don't think I don't think no. either of them have a shot at being drafted, even in the last round. I think both best case scenario if they get an invite to camp. I think that's best case scenario. So. And and you know what? That very well could be the case next year, even if both of them come back and have good years, just based off of their age and their injury history. So um, I, they're they're both in really difficult spots. I I, I wonder if it's going to come down to nil money. You know, if if both of them can get high six figure, maybe even make it a seven figure again next year in nil. That that alone could pull these guys back and and give you know make another run for it. So I think I I kind of think that's what it's going to come down to. But it's definitely a strange situation. So I mean, I think another aspect of uh, what happens with with Rising and Keithy is also like, what is it going the roster going to look like next year? I know Isaac Wilson, a high school recruit at a Corner Canyon, is committed to Utah. He is expected to have knee surgery, so don't know his availability for next year. But it's hard for me to think that whether Rising's there or not, we're going to see a quarterback room of Rose, Barnes, Johnson, and Wilson all in the room next year. No. I I, I think you're going to see some pretty good turnover. Um, obviously, we're going to see wait and see what happens with Rising. If he comes back, he's there regardless. Um, he's your starter, projected starter. Um, Nate Johnson, I think it's going to come down to, does he want to stay in this program and potentially switch positions? Um, or does he want an opportunity to play? I just don't see, with how things have transpired, I just don't see him really, I just don't see him battling for a future starting position here at Utah now. We'll, we'll see, you know, but does he does he transfer out to a smaller program? 
does he switch positions and and stay with the program? Uh, I mean, and Brandon Rose is kind of a wild card here too because we haven't seen him. He earned the 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 backup job to Rising this year due to injury. Um, does he come back? Does and if Rising comes back, does that affect his you know willingness to stick around? So there's so many things that are going to happen. Um, you know, I, you mentioned Isaac Wilson. Yeah. Sounds like he's getting surgery as soon as the season's over and will not be ready to go next year. So it's probably going to be a red shirt year for, for him. And, um, and then depending on if you lose one or maybe two of those quarterbacks or maybe three, I mean, if rising leaves and Nate leaves, you know, does 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 Rose follow suit? I don't know. I mean, there's just so much up in the air, but I think you're going to see a uh, a much different looking uh, quarterback room next year, uh, with maybe even some uh, transfer portal uh, options. Oh, it's going to be super attractive in the portal if Rising chooses to leave to the NFL, and then you have, you know, at least one other guy in that room either switch positions or transfer out. Wide open but I, I, quarterback spot at Utah going into the Big 12 where they're going to be a heavy favorite in that league to compete for the championship there. It's going to be very attractive. Maybe. Does Keaton Slovis have another transfer in him? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> what are you What are you hinting at here, Ryan? Ryan, don't put that, don't put that hex on us. Uh, totally as, joking. As, as bad as our offense has been with a third and fourth string quarterback and our best receiving option out of play, we still have a better offense than BYU with a tough I, I saw that. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Caden Slovis, um, you, you stick down there with those fanboys. Uh, we're, we're good down here. But um, I just I want to see Rose this year. I want to see him at some point and at least, you know, get some, get, give him some reps, see what he can do. Right. Can, can he be what Bryson Barnes is this year? Can, does he have a higher, I know he's missed so much time, but does he have a higher ceiling this year? You know, I would just love to kind of see what we have in him before we go into the off season where, you know, a lot of decisions are ultimately going to get made um, because I think if, if he comes in and could show what decent or show well, then I think, you know, that that definitely is going to determine maybe how Utah proceeds with with this offseason. So I'd love I to think, see him. But I just I don't know that we're going to. I think if you uh, if Utah loses this Saturday, which is likely, um you're now sitting at two losses with Washington and Oregon still ahead of you. Your your chance of three-peating are pretty much over. So at that point, if Rose is healthy and there's a chance Rising's not coming back, why not give him some reps? Give him some experience going into next year. Well, well by all accounts, this last week that Rose was cleared. And, and he wasn't dressed. And, and he, not only was he not dressed, but yeah, I mean, you had uh, Luke Batari out there as the third stringer. And I just, so maybe he's not cluttered. I don't know. I mean, we the problem is we never get any information from Whip. 
And so we're all just speculating, playing the guessing game. But I, I just – the way Witt handles this quarterback position, I just do not believe, even if Rose is healthy, that he's literally going to give him much of an opportunity this year. Uh, I mean, if you look over the track record of winning him, though, the whole quarterback position – and a lot of the offense, it has been kind of questionable and weird at times. You could almost say that for his entire tenure as head coach. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, outside of one year of rising, because the first year of rising was the same issue, right? He doesn't get the start over Brewer, and Brewer's awful, and then he comes in, leads us to the Rose Bowl and Pac-12 title. You know, and, and uh, I mean, out, and then Huntley, out, outside of that, it's just a lot of back and forth, you know, and you're seeing that this year. It's Barnes, and then it's Nate, and then it's Barnes, and then, you know, it's just back and forth. So, I don't know. I just don't have a lot of confidence in Whittingham and how he handles the quarterback position. And he seems to love the – he loves the tryhards, doesn't he? He loves the dudes that just show up every day and, you know, they just work hard and just loves rewarding those guys. Do you know what that is really reminding me of is Travis Wilson and the Oklahoma transfer. Thompson. Thompson. Thank you. Kendall Thompson. Kendall Thompson. Where it was Ugh. it was kind of like whoever sucked less is who was playing. I was watching yeah, this- a highlight of when of when uh, Wilson beat USC in Rice Eccles. And then commentators were talking about how he this he had done well in practice and earned the start that week. So that reminded me that he, like the previous game, I think Thompson got the start. So it was so back and forth that year. Well, yeah, and I mean, look, I'm not going to tell Wit how to coach. He's he's one of the best in the country, but it is a little aggravating that. That he just doesn't stick with some guys and allow them to go and grow. Now, granted, I'll fully admit this year is kind of weird. It's just different. You really couldn't proceed with Nate Johnson any further as bad as he's been. Um, but it's it's just so weird. This is such a strange season. It is probably when one of the most frustrating seasons that that we've had, and we've had. Trust me, we've had a number of them. <laughs> but yet here we are, five and one. And ranked 14th in the country. And yet it's still just been a frustrating season. Isn't that, that is, crazy? That is so crazy. I mean, no, most most programs would die to be 5-1 and one and ranked where we are. And here we are pulling our head out because we're not scoring 20, you know, we're not scoring 35, 40 points a game. And, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a product of what Whittingham has built here, right? Expectations have been raised significantly. Um, there were obviously high expectations this year to go and, and you know go to back to Vegas for the third straight year. So, and then obviously the whole Cam and Keithy situation and all the other injuries, but it's just been so bizarre. But hats off, hats off to this program. Hats off to Kyle. Hats off to the defense. Hats off to everybody on the staff and program because five and one against this schedule and with what this team has dealt with, it's pretty dang remarkable. No, it's, it's, it's great. 
And that's a good reminder, Scott. And I mean, as you said, if you really take a step back and look where this Utah program is, it's crazy that as fans were freaking out at five and one. It's good, but I think it's, it's crazy also that we beat Florida, <laughs> that given what we know now. But I, I think it's also like a little bit maybe anxiety from the fans because we know what's coming down the road. We know USC. Yes. We know Oregon. We know Washington. The fact that Colorado is better than what people are expecting. Now, granted, they're not world beaters, but they're they're more improved than I think people were anticipating. Arizona, as we've called out, is much better than what people are anticipating. So I think that all of that combined is what's kind of creating this anxiety among Utah fans. Oh, for sure. Because 5-1, 14th in the country is absolutely awesome. But if, I mean, there's a legit chance that we could lose... Um, I mean, we could literally go two and four in the last six games. And uh, as disappointing as that would be, um, it's a legit sh- it's a le- legit sh- shot of happening. And so from that perspective, you, you take a step back. And I think that's where some of that angst, like you said, Cam is coming in because it's like, OK, yeah, things are pretty good now. But we could be on a in a tailspin here real quick. <laughs> It's just like Utah's is barely keeping their head above water right now, and that tide's coming in. Amarin going with the 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 ocean analogy. That's what I do. All right, we're up against a break. When we come back, let's talk about some targeting and this Utah defense. All right, sir. As everyone's heard, the appeal for targeting against. Uh, Cole Bishop was denied, not shocked because how crappy this league is. It was not a targeting, fellas. I, I don't understand that at all. Yeah, I, th- I don't know that many people understand the rule. Um, I'm not sure um, offici- offici- of- officials from every conference are on the same page. I'm not sure every crew within the same conference is on the same page. It's just it seems like it varies from from staff or from group to group to group and how they perceive it, how they see things. I mean, I get it. If you launch, if you lead with your the the top of your helmet, yes, okay. And if it hits in the head or neck area, but when it's a a side of the helmet glance against another player who's falling, I just I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Kyle Winningham said it best. He's baffled by it. And uh, but it's it's a Pac-12 guys. It's what they do. They have they have no understanding of how to run a run a competent conference. Um, they have a long history of being horrendous across the board on these things. It is what it is. But it's so unfortunate the timing of it and who it happens to. And I really wish they would really adopt NFL rules because, as you said, Scott, it's so inconsistently called. It's kind of like how are they feeling about this rule? How are they interpreting it during the game? That really it's the kids that suffer the most because now in college athletics, when you're limited on how many games and how many years you can play, now you're taking that away from kids. And that's, I think, is is really the crappy part. And, yes, it's kind of sour grapes 
I on my part right now because it's one of Utah's better defensive players. But now that he, the thing I just don't understand is how does that? Why does that impact the next game? I've never understood that. This isn't soccer. I don't get it. Hey, if you want to bring soccer into this camp, how they do it is ten times better. How football does it. Give them essentially Cole Bishop a yellow card, okay, which is a 15-yard penalty. If he goes and does it again in the same game, two yellow cards equal a red card, you're gone, all right? But these random just – I mean there are guys that do headhunt and legitimately need to be ejected, right? But there's a lot of these situations that are just accidental, you know, Cole wasn't out going trying to hit anybody. He wasn't trying to, you know, do this. And there's there's a lot of other players on a lot of other teams who do the same thing and get penalized for it. It's just, just so stupid how this gets interpreted and then and then the consequence that consequences of it. And it's brutal. I mean, going in against USC and and for the first half, you're without uh, without Bishop. That's huge. And Nate, Nate Ritchie steps into that spot and actually looked pretty good when he came in. Um, and we're, we're pretty fortunate that we got a guy of, of Nate Ritchie's uh, ability to, to back up uh, an All-American and Cole Bishop. But it's still just so unfortunate that, that we're having to go through this. So I, I will say, we, you know, I was with family last night. We were talking about this. And, you know, Utah fans were loud. They let the officials know exactly how they felt. I, I want to get your reaction on this. I had a family member suggest that there's a pre-recorded message where Kyle Winningham tells the fans to simmer down and not boo the officials. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I need names. Who? Who's the family member? <laughs> Out him, Cam. Out him. So, good idea, not good idea. Boo! <laughs> you know what? I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna comment on that aspect. Um, I don't want to get in uh, in any family uh, feud here. But what I will say, I absolutely, I tweeted this after the game. I absolutely love how petty we are as a fan base. And I mean, it wasn't just it wasn't just a lot of booze when the call was made and when the review was made. It happened the rest of the game. Anytime there was a moment where the fans could boo, we were booing and it was loud and it was noticeable. And I applaud all the you fans in Rice Eccles because that was awesome and it was well deserved and these officials need to be rem- re- reminded that they are about t- to join the unemployment line because <laughs> of how bad they are so find a new career get an account at indeed.com and go find a new job because we are done with you it was, I mean, it was the loudest and most intense the stadium had been all day, which was awesome. Um, but in the sequence of, he gets kicked out, they get in field goal range, and they miss a chip shot, and then Vaki runs, the next play runs it for a 72-yard touchdown. I mean, talk about, I, 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 can't, I can't say what I'm saying. <laughs> 
Talk about <laughs> beep, 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 beep. I mean, that was like in your face to the officials. Like, oh, it was, it was just fantastic the way that but played out. You know out. what? I will, I will say, Cal had kind of gotten a little bit of momentum there. Yeah. And they were move, they were moving the ball on us. And then that play happened. And it not only did Rice-Eccles come alive, but it kind of brought the defense alive. It did. I mean, realistically, had had they been able to score a touchdown on that drive, it's a three point game. Yeah, I mean it 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 uh, it was trending not great for us. There's no, no doubt about it, and that definitely kind of turned the tide. Um, so it ended up being somewhat beneficial, but I mean it's still just ridiculous that uh, <laughs> this rule and how it gets how it gets uh, um, officiated. It's ridiculous, but. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Are we jumping into USC now? Yeah, let's totally talk some USC. They're coming off a very disappointing loss to Notre Dame, 48 to 20. If you look at it, it's interesting because if you look statistically, USC really outgained them offensively, but USC just kept turning the ball over, giving short yards to Notre Dame, and Notre Dame were taking advantage of that. It was probably Caleb Williams worst game since he played Utah. But this USC team, as well as they are offensively, defensively, they still have a ton of issues. And I don't think it, they're going to fix it in one week. It's it's a known issue ever since Lincoln Riley was in Oklahoma, just how bad they can be. Guys, there's there's rumors coming out that the team is starting to turn on Riley. That they don't like him. And, you know, that he's just a mess. And you're seeing this. I mean, there's no reason that USC should be as bad as they are. With the way that they have recruited and the, the way that they have brought transfer, transfer kids in, there's absolutely no reason they should be as bad as they are. Absolutely none. We have said that exact line since we've been in the Pac-12. They out-recruit all of us. By a long shot, and they underachieve every year. Well, and having the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, the clear number one pick in the draft, and this is what you're putting out. I mean, it's and, and you listen to Riley at, in these post game uh, interviews, and he just he sounds like a clown. They are horrible defensively. We should. This is a game. We should be able to run for 300-plus yards on them, and if we don't, I'll be a little disappointed because they are not a good defense. They are struggling, and their offense has taken several steps back. They are not as dangerous as they were last year. Not, their offensive not line Their offensive line is awful. Part of, the, part of the reason is he doesn't have a lot of time to throw the ball. Yeah, if you look at their last couple games, oh, it's their last three games have been more competitive than what they should have been. If you look at this roster, talent for talent, they're at Colorado. They come away with a 48-41 win against Arizona, 43-41. to Arizona, they should have won that game. Arizona had every opportunity to win that. And then, as I mentioned, losing to Notre Dame. It's just, it's crazy. It, it's baffling and and there is already, like as you said, Scott, the team's already kind of, there's rumors the teams are turning on, on Riley. There's rumors that boosters are, that they don't want to take Riley into the Big Ten. 
And it's just it's well, just the cycle of USC. And it doesn't matter who's there. If they're not winning guys, they're a championship only, every year, then they're on to something next. They're only in year two of a 10-year, $110 million contract with Riley. And his <laughs> two homes and his access to a private jet. He's not going anywhere. They're stuck with him. Unless he bells and goes, you know, tries to get an NFL job, but with with I don't think that's going to happen with how things are going currently. And I mean, there's a lot of talk that as soon as Caleb leaves, he's going to leave. I mean, who knows what, what's going on now? I will say this. So one of my friends has a has a USC friend who is a diehard USC fan, and he's fairly involved with with USC. And this, this isn't going to come as a surprise to any of us, but this is the caveat, I think, for this week. He said that USC has had this game penciled in from the get-go. So we're, we are going to get USC's best shot. I mean, Utah basically forced um, Caleb Williams to leave the field twice last year in tears. We ruined their chance at the Pac-12 title. We ruined their chance at the playoff. Caleb's going to take this personal. I think most of the program's going to take it personal. So they are a mess, but I do think we are going to get their best shot. I, I don't disagree, but you can't tell me that Notre Dame was a trap game for Utah. No, 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 no. I, oh, and I'm not saying that. But I, what I'm saying is, you know, we've kind of seen this since we've been in the Pac-12. That when things don't go well for USC or when maybe their season starts to head south, they kind of quit, right? They're, they're not a program that's just going to keep fighting and fighting. They quit. They're a bunch of prima donnas. They, uh, they're front runners. When things are great, they're the best thing ever. When things are you know, not going well, they all bell. They all hide. And but I, I just think this is, this is a game. The season's not over for them by, by any means. So they still have a lot to play for, but I just think they are going to – they want revenge on how those last two games against Utah went. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, that – and I'm sure Utah has known that's going to – that's been circled on their calendar since the Pac-12 championship game last and year. And it scares me to death that we're going into that environment with Bryson Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the Coliseum is no Rice Stadium, even though no. it holds more people. I mean, those fans come late, they go home early, and they're quiet. So, from that standpoint, Utah isn't isn't fighting the twelfth man. No, but what we are fighting is our performance home versus away. Oh yeah, you know, we talked mm-hmm. we talked about that last week, right, with Cal. And we're a different team at home. And uh, so this this is going to be an interesting week for Utah um, because we're, you know, USC's favored. Um, I don't think many people are giving Utah a chance. And uh, going on the road with, with Bryson Barnes, I mean, it's – I don't have a very high confidence level going into this game. But 
Utah also sometimes can kind of come out of nowhere in the in these moments and put performances together that none of us were expecting, and that that's what it's going to take to even be kind of a um, a USC team that's not at full stride right now. Good. Two years ago, I went down to the USC game. That was that was the the kind of the breakout game, and I know we had Rising and Keithy and um, a little bit different than we have now, but that was kind of the breakout of Utah, you know, winning at USC for the first time, you know, and, and, uh, I mean, let's not forget USC right now, they're four and zero in conference. So they still don't have a blemish on that conference record. So they're still well in this conference race. Um, so they'll, we're, we're going to get their best shot. I think Caleb is going to, uh, I think he's, he's going to bounce back. The dude's, the dude is too good to kind of put performances like that together. I, um, I think he's going to, he's going to want to show people what he's made of because you know, the guy wants a second Heisman. And so you're going to get, you're going to get a much better performance from him. Um, so I'm man, I'm anxious to see, I'm anxious to see how Utah approaches him from, from a defensive standpoint, you know, do, do we just kind of gimmick, or, or not gimmick, do we just continue to maybe uh, copy the game plan from uh, our last two appearances against him? Or do you think Utah kind of changes some, some things up and maybe does a little bit of what uh, um, Notre Dame did? I, I mean, I hope they kind of change it up because the game last year in Salt Lake, or USC led the whole game until the very end. And I think a lot of that is they were so worried about Williams running. And so that I, I think a lot of times the defense were just trying to hope to contain him, and that's how he broke out. You know, they made adjustments later in that game to, to get more pressure on him, and then the Pac-12 championship game, they just went after him. And I, I'm hoping that's what they do. But when you look at Williams, and, and just echoing what you said, Scott, he dropped significantly in this Heisman race. I think he was the number two favorite up until the Notre Dame game, and now he's dropped to the fifth or sixth favorite to win the Heisman this year. You know he's a competitor. 23 touchdowns, only four picks, great talent. I, I We kind of joked at the beginning about how their, their defense is terrible. They're kind of stabbing their coach in the back and by media reports. This is still a dang good football team. They're ranked 18th, but they're they're higher than that. They they really are. It's going to be a tall order. But for but are they? Game. Are they? I 10? think so. I think so. I mean, I'm not a voter, so it doesn't matter what I think. I think they're better than 18th in the country. Even before See, I, this loss, though, they even though they were winning, they kept dropping because of their performances. Yeah, I now look. They're USC. They're always going to get the benefit of the doubt. But I just don't – they are nowhere near as dominant offensively as they were a year ago. And it, as tough as it is to say, they're, they've even taken a step back defensively. They're an absolute mess. Everybody's moving the ball on them. Everybody is running on them. And, and to your point, they can't protect Caleb. And I think that is where no uh, Jonah Ellis and Toon – and our defensive line, and I'm hoping that Morgan Scally is aggressive. I would love more than anything. I know Utah is a man-to-man team. 
We love playing man-to-man. I want to play a zone in the secondary and let our defensive line and our linebackers just go crazy on Caleb, snap in and snap out, and just just go after him. Hit him and hit him again and hit him again. Get him out of rhythm. Get him uncomfortable back there. Let the zone just kind of keep everything in front of him. Again, Morgan, I think, you know, Morgan's going to have a good game plan. But I think sometimes we get a little stubborn against USC and we would love to play man to man. And I think a little bit more zone. I mean, you saw that from Notre Dame, how successful it was for them. It'll be interesting to see. But I would that's what I would like to see um, is, you know, go after him time in and time again and just keep everything in front of you. Because, again, that's kind of the weakness of our defense as well as getting beat over the top. We've seen it with Battle. We've seen it with uh, with Broughton, and we've seen it with Zamaya Vaughn. Let these guys just keep everybody in front, go make the tackle, and just get after Caleb. And you got to keep the pressure on him, like we said. Yeah, oh, that, yeah. Because that's yeah. really where he has – I mean, granted, he's had some great games, and he's really carried this team uh, in, a, in a couple of these games, especially Arizona. It's really, though, if you can get pressure on him, if you can hit him, he will make mistakes, just like what we saw in Notre Dame. Well, and their their offensive line is, they're bad. Like, we should be able to get to him. Yeah, we should. And, and, and we should with our just our front four and not blitzing all the time. Now, obviously, you're going to see... Morgan's gonna he's gonna bring he's gonna bring pressure and he's gonna bring looks um, to keep Caleb and the and the O line off balance. But I really think as bad as their O line has been, our front four should be able to create enough consistent pressure alone. Could you imagine with the the issues we've had offensively and we go in there and beat them on their field for a third straight time? Fourth straight time. Fourth. That's straight true. Time. Fourth straight time. <laughs> that would be pretty sweet. And, you know, I, I, I kind of was daydreaming a little bit today and thinking, what if? What if Cam has this game circled himself and he's like, hey, I'm re- I'm cleared. I'm ready to go. I want a piece of USC. Watch. What if he comes back and beats Caleb again? That would be something. He and Keithy make their return at USC. Uh, I, I'm, 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 you fans, I'm sorry if I just planting that seed gives you hope and that hope <laughs> ends up hurting you down the road. I'm sorry. But that would be hilarious to watch. Do you guys remember at Pac-12 Media Days when all the athletes that were there were taking one big group photo and, and Cam was kind of rise was uh, razzing Williams, telling yeah. him to stand on his yeah. mark, and you just tell it just got under his skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think uh, Caleb uh, he doesn't like anything you tell. Let's just say that <laughs> feelings mutual. <laughs> yep. Maybe he'll paint his fingernails again. All right, so let's get into our picks for this game. Uh, currently, USC is a six-and-a-half favorite uh, over Utah. Ryan, we'll kick it over to you first. How do you think this game will go and what's your score? 
as much as I want to daydream and, and see Utah get their fourth, I just I don't see it happening. I, I think Utah hangs, but can't pull it out. Uh, I'm going to say USC 34, Utah 24. Scott, what do you got? Oh, 10-point loss at home or, or on the road, huh? All right. Well, I uh, I very much have changed my stance. I was I was prepared to go into this game picking USC by probably twenty plus points. Their performance against Notre Dame, our performance against Cal, definitely changed things. Um, I think if Utah is able to pull this off, it's going to be close. It's going to be a nail biter, and Utah's going to have to play phenomenal. But I do think USC brings the best out of the Utes. I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> it goes against everything that I that I know and I believe in. But I'm going to put my faith in Mr. Bryson Barnes, the pig farmer himself, Mr. Hogman. I think somehow, some way, with his 158 yards of passing offense, he's going to find a way to beat USC this week, boys. I think Valky, I think JJ, I think the O-line are going to take it personal. And uh, I think we come out victorious. I'm going with Utah with the final score of 31-USC-28. Like I hope you're right, Scott. I hope you're right. Does, does Cole Becker kick the game winner? Yes, yes, yes. It just came across. Yes, he does. <laughs> I, I think the one thing Utah does have going for him is, is USC, as we mentioned, his defense is not great. They're allowing almost 400 yards a game, which is just terrible. Almost 250 in the air, 150 uh, on the ground. So I, I really think Utah is going to take advantage of that defense. If they can control this game, control the clock, keep Caleb Williams and that offense off the field, I think it's where Utah can win. Because it's in L.A., it's just hard for me to go there. I think USC wins this one 30-24, but I hope I'm wrong. For once in my life, I hope Scott is right and I'm wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, this is a big day. This is a real big day, boys. All right, Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? You know what? Ryan just brought it back. He just brought back his old... Uh, I did it last week, too, and we won. So Yeah, so I think, you know, tide, tide's turning here, Cam. Um, yeah, you find me at Uteman underscore forever. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast. And if you have any suggestions on what Kyle Winningham can say in his public service announcements to the fans about booing the <laughs> officials, please hit me up on Twitter. Uh, you can always listen to us at our home, utahmanpodcast.com. And anywhere you listen to a podcast, we are there. Hopefully, Utah gets a big win over the USC Trojans. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. Kai-yai. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.